things that bump in the night. Things that creep us out. Voices from another realm. The figures that move out of the corner of your eye. That odd light in the sky. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of It Came From Amity. This is Casey, and across from me, as always, is Noah. How's it going, folks? I'm glad to be back in the studio this week. It's been a... seems like it's always a long week right. when we're not back in the studio, but I'm glad to be back. Um, so I released a video yesterday onto our page saying we we're going to talk about UFOs in Indiana, and uh, that's exactly what we're going to do today. Um I found a really sweet list. Uh, it was published. It's a little old, but for UFO sightings, a little old is still pretty fresh. So this was actually published in Indianapolis Monthly, March 5th of 2014. Okay. Um, and they call this the 10 weirdest UFO cases in Indiana history. Um, so uh, I think... This would have this article would have probably been after that weird sighting that happened to Franklin a few years ago. Everybody was talking about this triangular form they saw in the sky uh, in Franklin. A bunch of people that I knew in Franklin posted about it on Facebook, um, and I actually saw like a short video clip of it. It was pretty impressive. Really? Yeah. If I could ever, f I'm sure it's got to be on YouTube somewhere, but. Um, you know, you see a lot of those in, like, uh, Russia, obviously, mm -hmm. like Ukraine. Um, but you also see a lot of them in, like, Brazil. Yeah. So, it's weird. It There's, like, weird. certain spots where the aliens love to hover. Uh, I mean, I would, you know, down Why south. Russia, though? I don't know. Maybe they love the Russians. I don't or know. Or the radiation from oh, maybe. Chernobyl. Maybe. It could be. Yeah. Is Chernobyl in Russia? Yes. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe they love, you know, the Russian people. Maybe they like the vodka. I don't maybe. Know. So we'll open it up to the first one. This is a pretty good one. And it's an old one too. Uh, so this one was called the mysterious airship sightings in Vincennes. And this happened, in, uh, from 1896 to 1897. So this is a pretty good long time ago, a little over a hundred years. So people, uh, it started in, in California, actually. So this was like a flap across the country. And what they said was is that they would see a large unidentified craft in the sky, and there was numerous sightings. I mean, tons of people reported on it. And they said that there was these objects, or in some cases, objects in the sky. And eventually the sightings made its way east, and it happened in, uh, in Indiana in uh, good old Vincennes. And this Vincennes. was a time before... Uh, obviously, it's 1896, 1897, so this was a time before aircraft, and it was a, um, in, um, like as far as like actual airplanes. And at the time, they had um, hot air balloons and like blimps, like modified, like not like we know today, but dirigibles. But they weren't long range craft, so 
this is what made made it really weird. So the newspapers actually managed to, over time, they were really hyping up the reports and they were really hyping up the view the people that you know, like. I wouldn't say over-reporting, but they were definitely make sure they would report everyone and everyone who saw these lights in the sky or these aircraft. Because it was new to them, probably, and it's like we want to make sure we get enough evidence and, you know. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's very uncommon in that time to right. see anything in the sky other than birds. Um, so there was a report of an airship in Vincennes, April of 1897, the Vincennes Morning Commercial, actually printed the accounts from what they would call reputable citizens. And some of the reports varied from person to person, but they definitely claimed that they saw something resembling a sphere of golden light, a ball of fire, and a flying steamboat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I guess you'd still call that a flat. Multiple people seen objects in the sky, but with different descriptors. Yeah. So maybe some people were fibbing, you think? Because they're like, oh, well, Mr. Jones said he saw a flaming ball of light. Right. But I saw a flying steamboat. So, Well, well, I mean, if there's one thing we know when it comes to this kind of stuff, people are always so honest and transparent, (laughs) and nobody ever makes up stuff for attention. Right. So. Yeah, it just, to me... No, I mean, I, I'm not saying that all the accounts are false. Yeah. I mean, surely not everyone in Vincennes in 1897 was a liar, but I'm not saying everybody was telling the truth either. They're not always, they're embellished probably. Right. Yeah. I would imagine, I guess, to someone in 1896, 1897, seeing a large craft in the sky might resemble a steamboat to them. Well, they also prescribed you heroin for pain back then. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And gave you cocaine if you were getting a tooth out. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Maybe. Who knows? I, I I think I could see maybe the 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 ball of light, maybe. Yeah. Because that's been a mass-reported type incident for a long, long time. Never heard anyone ever say, yeah, that looked like a flying steamboat. I've never heard that descriptor before. It's because that's like the only vehicle they knew of, right? That's true. They couldn't say that looks like an airplane. Right. They couldn't say that looks like a BMW. That's true. That's still like... That looks like a horse and carriage in the sky. <laughs> it's Santa. <laughs> it's Santa. Well, maybe maybe that's more part... Well, no, I mean, it was before that even, so I don't know. That's. I think it's an interesting tale for sure. And I, I think part of it is true. I don't... I don't know about all of it, but so we'll fast forward a little bit. And in Terre Haute in 1951, there was reported of a huge metallic object. So um, we're looking at just four years past the crash in Roswell. And there was a teletype message that arrived at Wright Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio addressed a member of the United States Air Force. And it were relayed that Roy Messmore, chief aircraft communicator at Terre Haute's Holman Municipal Airport, had joined the ranks of those who now believe in flying saucers. So according to the report, I guess he said he saw a huge metallic object flying in the sky. And at first, he thought it was 
Cheddar Craft. But he said that eventually, after he observed it for quite some time, that it didn't look like any aircraft that he had ever seen. Yeah. And that it just looked like a massive metallic object. What year was this again? This was 51. So four years after Roswell. Okay. So uh, an official from the Air Force said that he believed it was just jet aircraft and that the reflection of the sun distorted the aircraft in the eyes of the observer. That's a direct quote from the official. Well, it's, it's possible. It is possible. And reflections. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've all heard about the weather balloons and, you know. And in 51, you know, the Air Force was still a new branch of, of, uh, the, of the armed forces. Yeah. Um, they have those jets now that are camouflaged mm-hmm. by reflecting the sky. Right. So it just looks like they don't, they're invisible, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, and in 51, you know, J-Aircraft was still very new. Yeah. Uh, you know, technology that was actually stolen from the Nazis after the war. Yeah. And, you know, 51, I mean, the Air Force is still a brand new branch of the uh, the military. Uh, you Things know, were bigger and slower back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything needed to be propeller-driven at the time. Yeah. And then after we got that, knowledge from the Nazis because they were actually experimenting with the uh, jet propulsion uh, during World War II. And uh, there's actually, I can't remember what it was called. It was, it was that they're the J E I can't remember the number now, but it was like the very first jet plane. Um, they started producing them in 44 and they first saw service early of 45, but the war ended before they could be of any use. Yeah. But after that, we stole the technology, I guess, you know, spools of war. And again, the Air Force branches off as because they were the Army Air Corps. Yeah. And then they branch off and become the Air Force. And so they're experimenting with different tech that, you know, trying to figure out what works, what don't. So, you know, maybe he actually did see jet craft and he's just unfamiliar with it. He might have. I think it's possible. Um, in the best-selling book, The Hynek UFO Report from J. Allen Hynek, uh, he was an astronomer and a pioneering ufologist known for introducing the Close Encounter Classification System. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm not 100% sure what that classification system know. is. When you said Hynek, I just thought Nazi. Because <laughs> right. such a German-sounding name. It really is. We're like Scandinavian for sure. Hynek. H-Y-N-E-K for those out there that want to look it up. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he described the incident as one of the rare cases in which observers in separate localities saw the same UFO at almost the same time. And then um, it says here there's a picture, but not that it would matter to the listener. But but yeah, there's a picture of him and another guy. So what's interesting is that a bunch of people saw the same thing, apparently. And they weren't exactly together. So, in the Hynek report, basically it's it's describing the fact you have these different people in relatively different places within Terre Haute or the surrounding area of Terre Haute, and they all describe the exact same object. And that's why Hynek believes that it's true. Because... 
if they weren't true, then the report should conflict. Well, it's like how police, you know, detect a false story. Right. They interview two or three people, and if it doesn't match up together, you know. Well, I mean, it's like when we did the uh, Velisca Axe murder. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they used uh, a tactic that's still used with serial killers and, and unsolved murders now, where they'll inter- interview someone who's claiming responsibility, and if they're giving information that doesn't, that isn't public knowledge, then, okay, this guy's probably telling the truth right. versus someone that, like in the Velisca Axe murders, the pastor, uh, that was telling them stuff that everybody already knew. So Is, is Velisca the one where the guy was probably in the attic living? Well, he wasn't living. He just was hiding out until the family fell asleep. That's so messed up. Yep. That was a good episode. I liked yeah. that episode a lot. That was a Creepy. fun one to do. Oh, yeah. So... That kind of report uh, or that kind of tactic survives this particular case because it's different people all reporting the same thing and they're unrelated to each other. Yeah. And I think that gives cases like this when it comes to UFOs a lot of credence because they're able to... Back up each other's story. Exactly. And and not and not have to feed off one another. Yeah. Or go, oh, yeah, do you remember seeing it at the sky at this time? And you're like, oh, yeah, it was probably around that time totally unrelated and these guys all said the same thing or at least described the object the same way without being prompted by each other too or have that like you know like um and i think we've talked about evps a little bit like where someone will produce an evp and like i think it sounds like this and then the guy that's listening starts to hear or yeah wait to see if he hears a sound that sounds like that your mind tells you, like your mind automatically assumes it is. Then right. after you hear that, so I mean, it's it becomes like this um, preconceived notion in your head that this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. So you're going to find it. Right. So in this case, that they don't have that. It's just different people unrelated, and they're like, "Yep, it's this metallic object, and this is how it's described." And then this next guy does the exact same thing. Yeah. And I think that gives that the second story a lot more credence than the first one. So. In 1968, there was a symposium on unidentified flying objects. And I guess technically this doesn't really have a, like it didn't actually happen in Indiana, but it was a congressman from Huntington, Indiana. He was a member of the House Committee on Science and Astronautics. In his own words, and this is quoting him, keenly interested in the whole problem of UFOs. I guess he wanted to organize, he did organize, and he chaired the Symposium of UFOs, and it was held on July 29th, 1968. And it was the second and only the last time that that kind of thing was ever done on Capitol Hill. Huntington is down by Jasper, isn't it? Down south? I I think. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, I think by so. by Santa Claus, close to Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think so. Did you know Santa Claus, it was named that as a joke? Mm-hmm. Because uh, Christmas was already taken, I think. Or In the Indiana? name? Yeah, the name they wanted was already taken. Okay. So they were just like, screw it, name it Santa Claus. And they didn't expect it to actually work, like for it to be accepted. Yeah, and now there's, if I'm right, I actually watched like a Christmas documentary here a few years ago. And they get like thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of Santa Claus letters every year. Right. And there's apparently a whole group of old women that actually answered them. It's so stupid. Like it's they, so stupid. Like they actually answer them, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's adorable, but well, yeah, it's because it's like 
you know, they got nothing else better to do. They're just right. old retired women, you know. Right. Or, you know, homebodied women. They're like, well, yeah, we'll do this. We used to go there all the time. Oh, the youth the group, we went down there, too. Holiday World. Yep. Yeah. I When I went, uh, the only time I've ever been, I was like five or six, and it was still called Santa Claus Land or World oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That was a long time ago. That had been late 80s. I'm not a theme park guy anymore, dude. I think they're so overrated, honestly. The last time I went was Kings Island, and... You walk around all day with swamp ass because you got your butt wet, and then it starts chasing. (laughs) Oh my god, dude! Don't ever do the log ride first. And definitely don't do it if you think you're going to be doing some walking. Right. Like just general walking after that because it's going to be a bad day. So they had this symposium on Capitol Hill in '68, and apparently the proceedings included testimony from the likes of Heineck, who we talked about, and. The now famous cosmologist Carl Sagan, and then at the time it was Donald Rumsfeld when he was a congressman. Mm. So we all remember Rumsfeld from the Bush administration. Yeah. Well, at the time he was um, a congressman, and apparently he astutely noted that the study of UFOs was a rather unique situation. Now, I think we've all heard different things uh, from like. DC about UFOs. Yeah. Uh, Harry Reid was very big on knowing more about what Washington knew about UFOs, about Area 51. Uh, he wanted to actually declassify a lot of stuff, and the Alphabet Soup Agency said no. Um, he wanted to know more inf- information. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Ronald Reagan actually wanted to know a lot more, and they told him no and bill clinton was one too bill clinton wanted to actually to go to area 51 and he was denied um and now they just released those three f- videos this year or last year uh if if i remember right the tick uh the tic tac video was actually a leak that wasn't a willful oh really yeah the one where the navy pilots were chasing that object see i thought the pentagon just released it like screw it here you go no that was a leak really yes that was a technical leak um, oh, someone wow. in the Navy leaked it and it wasn't supposed to be, it was never supposed to be released, but now the Navy couldn't deny because you literally have these Navy fighter pilots speaking in the audio yeah, telling each other, yeah, I don't know what this is because it doesn't look like an aircraft that, yeah. they, that they can recognize. And if you're a fighter pilot, you're trained to recognize other craft, you know, especially like Russian, Chinese, you know, you're, you're trained to, to be, be able right. to identify aircraft. And it was an aircraft they've never seen. And they would get caught up to it or start to get caught up, and then it would just speed off. So it was like the craft was willingly playing a game of cat and mouse with them. Wow. But, yeah, it wasn't a willful thing. It was an accident. and then, Or, well, it wasn't an accident. It was a leak. And basically, once it was leaked, the Navy was silent at first. And then all of a sudden they came out and they said, yeah, it's an unidentified unidentified flying object, but we're not saying that it's aliens. We're saying we don't know what it is. So that's what that's what the TikTok or TikTok, the Tic Tac video was about. Yeah, yeah. Not so, TikTok, the illegal yeah, TikTok. Chinese app. <laughs> right, where everybody's you doing, must sell that app. Where everybody is doing cringy dances. Yeah. Ugh. There's gonna be like, instead of like Gorbachev tear down that wall, it's gonna come back and be like. 
Take down that app. <laughs> China, take down that app. Yeah, it's just, like, I, yeah, I can't wait. I hope people are, like, saving these TikTok videos. Yeah. That way when they're, like, these 10-year-old kids who's doing them are, like, 20, someone's going to be able to pop that video in their embarrass face. Them. And just embarrass the crap out of right. them. That's what I'm hoping for. Like, ha-ha. It's so stupid. It's like, you know what? When I was 10 years old, my childhood wasn't being, you know, filmed for the Internet to see. yeah. You know what we did? We had a little handy cam, and we would just make jackass videos for oh, fun. I remember those, yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing we, you know, we didn't have to record every moment of our life. No, we're too busy playing outside and getting yeah. dirty and muddy. Hurting each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I swung a wiffle ball that hard at my brother once, and I mean, oh. left a bruise on him for a month. I don't, you remember, like, when you would accidentally hurt a friend, and then you'd just be like, okay, you don't want to tell the parents or tell your parent. So it's like, hit me back. You can hit me back. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I got a funny, all right, totally off the topic of the UFOs, but on topic with the hurting your friend. Okay. So do you remember Chris Burton? He hung out with like, uh, and I know for you listeners, you may not know him, but uh, he hung out with like Tyler Cook and all those guys. Vaguely, yes. Okay. Well, he lived across the street from me for a number of years when I was a little kid. And he was over at my backyard one time. And he grabbed up my brother, and I was shooting this, like, little daisy lever action BB gun, you know? Yeah. And me being a stupid kid, I think it was all, like, 11, he grabs all my brother, and he's like, I got your brother, what are you going to do? And I point the rifle at him, and I'm like, let him go. And I thought the safety was on. It was not. And oh. I, I popped Chris right in the chest with this BB gun and he takes off screaming and I'm thinking I'm screwed. Right. Cause I know what's going to happen. My dad is going to wear me out because you know, my dad has always been about gun safety. Right. So yeah. here's this 11 year old son just shooting, popping the neighborhood kid in the chest with a BB rifle. And, <laughs> and so Those we don't could do some damage. And luckily it didn't, he was, he, he just went home and I'm like, but his mom's going to tell my dad for sure. And, Next thing I know, like a half hour later, he comes over grinning, eating a corn dog. Yeah. You know, just munch on this corn dog, just smiling. He's got this like mark on his chest, like, look, man, you shot me. Look right there. And I'm like, yep. I'm like, wait, am I not in trouble for this? Like, am I really going to get off the hook? I didn't tell my mom and dad about this story till I was like 20 years old. Like, I was not, I was not going to let that go. And like, that was not going to happen. Wow. So, yeah, that, that's my hurting my friend's story. So, I guess, yeah, that sighting didn't actually happen in Indianapolis, but it was Indianapolis or Indiana connected uh, via this uh, Roush from Huntington, who was a congressman in 68. So another little one we have was a UFO invasion of 1973 in Delaware County. And apparently on October 9th, residents of East Central Indiana lit up first responder switchboards with upwards of 700-plus calls reporting that they were seeing UFOs. What's in Delaware? What what city or? You would ask me that. Okay. It's um, all right. Don't worry about it. I don't remember. I can look it up real quick. Um, I think it's like where Muncie and all that is. Muncie's, I thought Muncie was, yeah, I'll look it up. Hang on. Keep going. Okay. So... Oh, excuse me. Yeah, Muncie. Okay. Um, so, and this was according, and that was all according to the, an article from the Cincinnati Post. So this, so that article was from not even in Indiana, and they were talking about it. 
Local law enforcement officers spent hours tracking the object and described it as having blinking red and white and blue revolving lights, often hovering near the ground. And basically, we can assume that they weren't law enforcement because they would be able to recognize their own vehicles, right? Yeah. I mean, so they're chasing something. They know that it's not theirs. Oh, boy. Um, Astronomy students at Ball State claim that they saw a UFO by telescope and radar operators at an airfield in Fort Wayne allegedly picked up a blip for a brief moment. Um, In fact, a widespread flurry of activity, and I mentioned that term before as a flap, that October came to be known as the UFO invasion in 73, and Congressman Roush, he makes another appearance on the list. Oh, my God. Um, Maybe he's an alien. He's a gray. I bet he's a lizard person. Yeah, he could be. He's a politician. So. See? And, and according to these conspiracy guys, yep. the lizard people infiltrated the government. Roush is a lizard person. Yeah. We know it now. We've uncracked it without even trying. We're awesome. Mm-hmm. We're like unofficial members of the smoking gun. Um, Stop the count. <laughs> so, uh, I lost, I know, oh no. Oh yeah, so Roush. He was quoted in the Columbus Citizen Journal worried that the increased sightings nationally could lead to a state of panic and hysteria, and we ought to be concerned about it. So it's weird that in 68, right? Yeah. yeah. 68, Roush has that symposium in, D- in D.C. And then a few years later, they had the UFO invasion in Delaware County where you have all these people seeing. They followed him. They followed Roush, man. It could be. It could be that maybe Roush was paying attention yeah you know they're trailing him like he knows what's up and maybe he was like the early precursor to like tommy DeLong and all these other guys that were like supremely interested on getting an actual answer yeah and not wanting to cover it up what's that song uh i always feel like somebody's watching me uh isn't that lionel richie that's like playing in his mind oh. <laughs> when he sees him <laughs> he's walking around like uh joaquin phoenix and signs yeah just a tinfoil hat on his head right that's awesome yeah could you just imagine some suit with that tinfoil oh hat? my god dude <laughs> the 50s and 60s were such an interesting time for ufos yeah i mean and that's the thing is like it's like the 70s in bodybuilding, right? Like, right. It's, it's crazy. The foundation of it. Yeah. And, like, me personally, I think... I think it, it has to do with Red Scare, too. Because mm-hmm. people were already on their toes and so terrified. And, and when we get done with this list, there's a theory that I'm going to bring up that I heard, and I kind of want to believe that it might be true, but there's some holes in it that make me believe that it's not. But it's a great theory about why all of a sudden there's this influx of uh, UFO sightings. And, we'll, I'll, and I'll bring it up okay. at, at the end, because I think it's a good, a good theory. So the next list is the intruders, the incredible visitations at Copley Woods, or the visitations at Copley Woods, uh, Indianapolis of 1983. So we're getting a little more recent. So apparently this woman named Debbie Jordan Cobble, I think is how you pronounce it, Debbie K-A-U-B-L-E, she was a young woman living with her parents in an Eastside home and said she was abducted by alien beings and she was subjected to transgenic experimentation. And apparently there was evidence 
uh, that were that still remained um, on the property as a bare spot in the yard where no vegetation would grow for years, according to what she said. Her account was documented in the best-selling book, Intruders, the Incredible Visitations of Copley Woods. And they actually called her Kathy Davis um, as a pseudonym. And it was by a guy named Bud Hopkins. So you can actually probably find this book. Second week in a row with a guy named Bud. That's true. Remember last week? Yes. Yeah. Good old buddies, man. Bud's an alien. Yep. He had They're to be. all aliens. Buddy, everyone named Buddy. You can't trust them. Uh, and apparently the story inspired a miniseries. So uh, I would like to have seen... Like a TV miniseries? Yeah. Huh. I know uh, what it's called. Maybe The Incredible Visitation. They didn't of leave the I name they, there? They didn't. They based it, I bet they based it off the book. So the incredible, oh. the incredible visitations at Copley Woods. Huh. Might have to look it up. Yeah. Being interesting. I love. I I think I actually remember laughing out loud because I looked up this article at work, like I was doing the research on this at work, and I heard the name. And I immediately thought of Blazing Saddles. Yeah. The. F- <laughs> So it happened in 1994, and it was called the Mongo Photo or Mongo. So you remember Mongo from Blazing Saddles? Yeah, a little bit. So he, he punches the horse, and he wrecks the town. Yeah. Mongo, just a Mongo. pawn and game of life. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I saw the title of that, this particular uh, incident, and I made me, it made me Google because I'm a kid. I'm a child, yeah. can I say? Good so, luck finding Blazing Saddles anywhere now. I know. I mean, unless it's like, you find it like uh, censored, like right, which is complete garbage. Yeah, actually, if I'm not mistaken, you can go to Walmart, go to like one of like the like that um, one of the aisles that have like the movies like on the racks, mm-hmm. like sitting in the middle aisle. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the one here in town has Blazing Saddles on one of those racks. They might. Such an incredible movie. I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to go into a big rant here, but I don't believe in censorship when it comes to entertainment. Right. I think that movies especially are a reflection of the human condition at the time they were made. Well, I mean... You can go back and see that, that errant racism mm-hmm. and know, okay, this is historical. Like, this was accepted back then. Well... That doesn't make it good. Well, what Mel Brooks did was use... Ra- use racism as a... As a um, well, satire, he, as right? A, he satired racism right. by by making it obvious that it's, it's wrong, and he joked about it, and making it clear that it was wrong, yeah. and just how st- stupid racism really was, and is. Well, it's like Django; they were trying to display the real, authentic attitude back then, right? And if you censored that or didn't let them say certain words, it wouldn't feel genuine. You know, you right. wouldn't get that real picture of what it was like. And I and I think that's a problem, especially, and again, we're on a, a famous right. Amity tangent. But that's the problem in today's cancel culture, especially, is that if if you don't like what's being said, then it has to be silenced. Yeah. And, you know, we live in a country where that's not acceptable. There's a difference between saying something as education or inform, you know, informal, mm-hmm. or or inf- informative. That's what I meant. Or saying something with the intent to hurt somebody. Well, there's a if, big difference there. Even if you were like, 
Okay, so, and I'm not saying it's okay on a social level. I'm saying if, like, someone was to call someone a racial slur. Yeah. And I'm not saying from one race to the other. I'm not going to pinpoint it because any racism is wrong, whether it's white towards black, white towards brown, black towards brown, black towards white. Right. It it doesn't matter who it's coming from. Racism is wrong. White towards white. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I believe it to be wrong, and but that's the problem in today's culture is that we we silence things we don't agree with just because we find it offensive. But offensive to me is subjective. What's offensive a, to me may not be offensive to you. It's an individual basis, right? I don't get offended by a lot of stuff, right? And I just don't. And even if I do get offended, I realize that's just my own personal thing, and I'm not going to sit and go out on a personal uh, crusade to stop it because. Well, if I don't like it, I can just scroll past it. I yeah. can just ignore it. I can pretend it doesn't the way exist I don't get because aff- it doesn't matter. See, I don't get offended because it's like if somebody says something hurtful towards somebody or, you know, whatever. Right. I'm not the one who thought those thoughts, and I just have to worry about myself. Right. So it's like if it's not in my heart, then I'm not guilty. So well, I mean, that's precisely it. We can't, yeah. we can't sit and try to inflict... Um, our attitude or, and our ideals on others. We can right. share all we want. But, like, if, I don't know, Noah, like, let's just assume, for instance, that you don't like pygmies for some reason. Yeah. And you just are racist towards pygmies, and I don't know why, but just say you are. I'm racist towards pygmies. Yeah. Don't isolate that clip. <laughs> so, you know, just say you are, and you're over here off Mike and you're just you know on this personal tirade against pygmies I'd be like no what's your deal we've never even seen a pygmy in real life yeah. like what's the deal and like we could have a discussion about it but it, as long as you're not inflicting that towards me like well yeah you ought to feel like hatred towards pygmies too because they're short and all this and whatever and you know yeah. they speak in you know, whatever language they speak and you ought to hate them too like that would be wrong and or trying to actually hurt a group of people. But I mean, like, but even then I shouldn't silence you because that's your own opinion, that's your own thought, that's your protected speech. Yeah. I mean, as long as you're not harassing them is a totally different thing. Right. So, I mean, that's, and like I said, Blazing Saddles is a movie that used humor and satire to satire hate and racism. See, I believe that most people are not racist. Right. And by um, voicing your racist thoughts, by, you know, condemning people or whatever, you don't have to be silenced because you're doing it yourself. Right. Once you start to have those thoughts out loud and you take away all your own credibility mm-hmm. in people's eyes and people are just like, this guy's an idiot. Right. You know? I, I, it's like, but I will say this. If Mel Brooks was the age he was when he made Blazing Saddles, right, and he had the idea, I'm going to make this movie Blazing Saddles in 2020. There was not a studio in the world that would have picked that up. No, like there's just no way. Which is a shame because it is a classic movie. It's a good movie and enjoyable because it's funny. Who doesn't like Gene Wilder? Right. I mean, who does not like Gene Wilder? Who does not like Mel Brooks? Sucks that he died. It does. And Mel Brooks is still living. Do you like believe 90 that? He's 90-something years old yeah. now. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I know. Uh, I actually saw an article, still connected to Blazing Saddles. Yes, we're still doing this. 
uh, Dom DeLuise's wife, who was in Blazing Saddles, just passed away this week. Yeah. Um, she was the school marm in Blazing Saddles. So she's the one that gets up in front and delivers that speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Dom DeLuise's wife, which he was in a couple... He was a comedian, voiceover actor. Yeah, he was really famous. Yeah. Has three sons. They're all actors. Yeah. Um, He's been in a lot of cartoons. And- yeah. Uh, what was it? What was... um. A famous movie he was in, uh, Cannonball Run, mm-hmm. right with um, uh, Burt Reynolds, yep. and what a fantastic movie! Anyway, <laughs> uh. I might have to watch that movie this weekend because that is such. Oh my god, I've not seen that movie in years. Yeah, he was uh, he was more known for his movies, I think, than his comedy, like his stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he did all kinds of stuff. He he harkens back to a time of like slapstick humor yeah. where he was just his mannerisms matter of fact he was in blazing saddles he was the flamboyant director at the end of the movie yeah. with all those like gay dancers uh you know that were in the tuxes right that was him uh dom delwies was a i he was a great actor in his day too he was a lot of fun to watch yeah um kind of mind you of lou costello a little bit just a big boy too yeah, yeah. and just a I mean, funny guy, but anyway, yeah, Blazing Saddles, great movie. If you've not seen it, you're missing out, and you need to watch it. Like, oh, uncensored. Uncensored, unedited, DVD cut. That's the only way. Yeah. Um... So yeah, Mongo. Back to Mongo. That's where we were. Mongo. Back to Mongo. <laughs> That's why we got on Blazing Saddles. Like, oh god, I was sitting there back in my head, going, "How, How did we get? There? Did we go to Blazing?" But that's why. So, in northeastern Indiana, near the Me- uh, Mexican Mexican Michigan. border, Mexican <laughs> Mexicana, 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 up near the river, um, there were six men sitting around a campfire on August thirty first of nineteen ninety four. When, according to the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, a fire supervisor identified only as J.K. Rowling. Wouldn't that? <laughs> J.K. Cool. Rowling. That'd be pretty cool if that was his name or her name. I guess it could be her. But they saw a glowing through the treetops that was moving right behind the trees and into an open area near a road and hovered toward us. He's just like, I saw a UFO. I'm J.K. Yeah, I know you're kidding, but no, I'm JK. Yeah, okay. Could you imagine that? Like some dude, like JK, and the guy, like in '94, and someone's like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, and they're like, "It means just kidding." He's like, "You're an idiot." Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but it moved into an open area and hovered near us, and it was clear as could be. It was a flying saucer, just as vivid. One of the men managed to take a picture, and although a blimp was reportedly in the area that night. And an investigator from the Indiana chapter of MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network. Uh, matter of fact, they do have an Indiana chapter. I bookmarked their webpage because I was going to do something similar to this episode. Yeah. Tons of really good information on there. Lots we should go of sit in on their meetings. Dude, that would be awesome, actually. I, yeah. I go, hey, look, we got a paranormal podcast. We want to talk to you guys. We want to get some. We want to just. This meeting know, also doubles as an AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like all haggard and depressed. We like, got cups of coffee and donuts. I would stay for the donuts. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I'm a fat kid. That's talk you. UFOs for donuts. Yes. Right. That is like the best. I want to harken back where you said the other guy managed to take a picture 
that was not a feat. Like that wasn't where you just grabbed an iPhone and snapped a picture. Yeah, he had to have a camera, turn it on, put the film in it. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, because I think what year was, was this? 1994. So it was definitely before digital cameras. So he would have had like a Polaroid. It had to be a, f- a film camera. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they were probably, at, you know, camping. And so he was making memories, right? Yeah. Probably had a scrapbook. And this guy snaps a picture. And, um, again, for the, it, it doesn't, it didn't load it. Like, they have it, like, as an object that you could click on. But it does I see hipsters now at weddings sometimes, and they'll want to talk to me about photography. And they'll be like, yeah, I'm a purist, like, uh, camera. Like, I only shoot on film. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> poor you are good for you, you know? Shooting on film is an obnoxious pain in the butt, dude. Well, my thing it is, is, like, if that's your chosen medium, like, because I mean, he he's doing it in a way to spite you. Yeah. As as a as a modern photographer, right? right? So they just want to feel like they're just they're professional than and they're right. better because they use film. Right. But like, woo, woo! You have a chosen medium. Right. He has a chosen medium. Digital is much more efficient than film, basically. Right. It, it doesn't make you special using old technology. Right. I mean. Most people use film because they're going after a certain effect. Right. Or they're wanting to keep a certain craft alive. Yeah. Which I get. Like a lot it's of It's like people, record players. Yes. You collect records because you like it. Yeah, there are people know? that do the film because they want it to be able to touch the craft. They want to be able to and I understand. Yeah. It's like people still um you know, making paper like like they used to, you know, using or the making old their own bullets, that kind of thing. Because they want to be in touch with their craft. Right. I understand. But to use that craft and old old photography is definitely a craft in and of itself. Yeah, the type of photography you do is a craft because there's still a massive amount of editing and getting the lighting right and making sure that, especially in a professional setting, that you're doing. Yeah, to make sure that the product you're delivering to your customer is the best it could possibly Plus, be. Plus, I'm worried about poses and timing and all this. The last thing I want to be doing is worried about putting film in a camera and if I'm out of film and. Especially if you're taking thousands of pictures. Right. Film only has so many hundreds. And that's the thing, too, is, I mean, could you imagine being a photographer in the 80s and 90s versus 2020? Yeah, it would suck. Yeah, because there's no way you can capture... It was only 20 years ago, too. Because there's no way you can capture everything that you can capture now and make sure that you have... Okay, I took... We'll just say, spitball, I took 600 pictures today. Yeah. So I have all these pictures I can comb through. Back in, say, 94, it's like, well, I took 60 pictures today. And now I have to make sure that all 60 photos are... Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And you'll have no idea yep. until I get back to my studio and have them developed because there's no way to see that. With digital, I can take like 30 pictures a second, yep. you know? And pick the best one out of those. The only way in 94 that you could have had instant photography was those old Polaroids. Do you think it was reversed alien technology that made us get digital photography? <laughs> Reversing their, what do they call it? Uh, you know, where they find an alien technology. Oh, right, right. And right. they reverse engineer it. Right. Where it's like, oh. Well, that's where they think we got the stealth, a lot of uh, conspiracy folks. Alien. Yeah. That's where we got our stealth technology. The stealth jets and stuff. Yeah. Because the the B2 bombers came out they were 
people were spotting them in the late 60s, early 70s, and then they were actually declassified as regular craft in like the early 80s. They just magically started to appear about 10, 15 years after Ro- Roswell, right? Right? Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yep. But it was also, orig- they did actually declassify the fact that they did originate in Area 51. I believe in, uh, I believe that we've reverse engineered stuff, and I, I support so. it too. Yeah. Why I not? mean, we got what it. Better way, you know? Yeah, if you got a phone, it, right? Yeah. Boom. Yeah, you might as if you got something that's better than what you have, study it and learn how to make it yourself. Well, I mean, that's how I, well, okay. It's a bad example because it's actually stolen. Um, okay, so the Germans before World War I had a rifle, bolt action rifle called the Carabiner 98. Uh-huh. Car- Carabiner 98. And it was a very efficient bolt action rifle. The Germans used it from the late uh, 1800s, uh, you know, 1890s. You know, that's why it's called the 98. Right. Up into World War II. And prior to World War One, actually it was like 1902, 1903, the United States, we didn't want to actually buy the rights to manufacture it. So what do we do? We stole st- the blueprints. Well, yeah, we stole the design. Uh, Springfield designed a rifle called the Springfield 1903 rifle. And mm-hmm. if you look at the 1903 next to the K98, they look like there's a, a few differences. Yeah. Exact same. Why not? I mean, and not that it's technically reversed engineered, but we did steal that. I mean, that design. still happens today. Look at how many Apple knockoffs there are in, in exactly. China. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Ungodly. Yeah. That. I mean, it's stupid. And in China, it's completely legal. You could literally take an iPhone and just put a different brand on it. And sell it. Yep. China's uh, copyright laws are so skewed compared yep. to ours. Yeah, I mean, because like to them, well, that's well, that's what makes a communist nation a com- yeah. Because your idea is not your own. Well, all they care about is profit, profit, profit. Well, so as long as who it's cares? For the state. Yeah. Who cares what you have to do to get that profit? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's like working for Disney. Yeah. You're. That's you're right. not as bad. I mean. It- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Disney's not as bad as China. Well, but, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, well, like, if you work for Disney, your IP is not your own. If you come up with an idea, it belongs to Disney. While you're working there, like, you could literally be at your home at your drawing desk and come up with something, and they're like, "Nope, you were working for us." Yep, it's ours. And you sign that. Con- and you sign that when you when you uh, become an employee. It's um, messed up, dude. Yeah. So you're you're basically signing your 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 ideas away. Yeah. Because you because then if they find out, like, say you quit. And you go to another, you know, another Universal. studio. Yeah. Universal's a good one. And you're like here, and they're like, well, he just left our studio. He had, and, and they can sue you because yeah. that belongs to them. You signed a contract. It's crazy. It's weird. So I'm yeah. surprised people work for Disney anymore. Well, yeah, I've kind of thought that too, actually. Um, but yeah, so yeah, reverse engineering. I, I think the B2 is a clear. Because it's weird how that technology just fast forwarded the way it did. Out we of went nowhere. from we went from having a basic understanding of how jet propulsion works in aircraft. Right. All of a sudden, we have B two bombers that are capable of hiding from radar technology. Yep. I mean, I mean that's nuts. And I mean, the, and they declassified the origins of the B two as far as the year they started actually working on them, as far as we know. And it was the late 60s, early 70s. So that's just a bizarre, just automa- just this rapid technological leap in aeronautics. Yeah. 
It, it just blows the mind, and you got to go, where did it come from? Some guy is sitting over in Area 51. It's like, you know what? If we just make these plates, this weird design that balances radar tech, like, that, there's, I mean, I guess it's possible. Nazis. Well, the radar, or wait. Everything oh, back oh. then. We stole I, their blueprints. Well, I mean, our space program is a direct derivative of uh, the uh, Nazi rocket is it program. Operation Paperclip, where we stole all the Nazi ideas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. We should talk about that sometime. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like our space program is a deriv- is a is a direct derivative of the V two program from Nazi Germany, where they were doing the rock the long range uh, rocket mm. attacks. Yeah, that's where our our space program was born from. Yeah, because we recruited Werner von Braun because it was basically you come Werner work, von Braun. You either come work for us or we try you as a Nazi criminal. Yeah, and he goes. Oh, oh, Scheisse. Oh, I guess I'm working for you. Scheisse. I think it was him and like 60 other Nazi scientists yeah. that we recruited, 62, something like that. I think that was about the number. And then the Russians got a few, but... We got better. We got more and better. The Russians did not cooler. treat their guys as well. Yeah, they would just take them out back and shoot them if they... Yeah, if you <laughs> fail... You got the formula wrong? Okay. If you fail, you die. Oh, oh okay. Let's not bank on failure then. So... Yeah, MUFON, like I said, I would love to talk to those guys and actually try to do something with them. That'd be cool. Um, they may not talk to us because we got a whole whopping 400 listeners, but hey, you know. Hey, we're getting steadily uh, bigger. So. We are. So they are actually volunteers who investigate uh, ET, ET phenomena, and I'm not talking about the movie. And they looked into the report that determined, and they determined that an aerial object photograph cannot be positively identified at this time. It remains a UFO. So... They've looked at the photograph. I actually tried clicking on the link, and it just took me to a 404 error. So, yeah, but it's that. an old article from 2014, so it's possible that it's just not going to load. So in 2008, so now we're getting even more recent. 2008, it was called the Kokomo Boom. At approximately 10.30 p.m. on April 16th, excuse me, Several loud noises rattled homes, and residents reported seeing streaks of light illuminate the sky. This prompted local authorities to dispatch law enforcement officers to look for a possible downed aircraft, which would make sense. Yeah. You know, because I mean, you're thinking, okay, there's some aircraft yeah. ca- causing a sonic boom, or... A plane exploded, and part, yeah. you know, pieces of it are falling. It looks yeah. like comets. Right. This would, this would be a logical line of thinking. So... It's like when you saw the Challenger explode, right. pieces of it would fall down, and it looked like a comet yep. falling oh, to Earth. Oh, it totally did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember, I mean, I didn't, at the time, but I've seen the video, and it does, the, the, the debris looked like, you know. You know, at first, they thought that it actually got hit by an asteroid, because mm-hmm. they were just like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's flying, it's flying, and it's now not. it's exploding. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, that's semi-related there. Semi-related. Yeah. So they actually looked for the crash. No crash was ever no crash site was ever found. Um and this was according to an Associated Press article that was printed the next day. But an Indiana Air National Guard officer based in Fort Wayne said the boom and accompanying lights could have come from an F sixteen jet training exercises breaking the sound barrier. Like I had said, yeah. it's possible. And it was deploying flares, which would have explained the streaks of light. 
So maybe he was doing, you know, rapid accelerations and doing sonic booms as a way of practicing evasive maneuvers. And then obviously flares would be part of that exercise. But added that his unit's log did not show any sonic booms were produced that night. Because those have to be recorded. Yeah. Um, Matter of fact, um, in most states, um, it is actually illegal to because they're so disruptive. They're so loud. They could damage uh, property. They could make people go deaf. Yes. Now, back, my dad told me that when he was a kid in the 70s, it was actually a pretty common thing for jets to be coming from, you know, you know, they were doing training exercises in Atterbury and just break the sign barrier. It was common, but laws were passed and like, okay, you got to stop. Yeah. It's destructive. Like this is getting insane. Um, so, but yeah, he said that his log did not show any sonic booms were produced that night. And apparently there's a transcript from a radio transmission from that evening. A a sheriff's deputy says, and I quote Grissom, which is an air force base, a pretty famous one, actually just advised me their security forces advise that there's not, any military aircraft that's been up or doing anything in that area because they just contacted Fort Wayne as well just to make sure. So you have Grissom Air Force Base and then uh, Fort Wayne in communication trying to confirm stuff because this stuff, no one knows anything. There's no logs, no activity, no yeah. nothing. Um, some UFOologists have disputed the F-16 claim, and for good reason, uh, claiming that on one website that the monitor revealed at least three anonym- anomalous radar-only tracks. So here's these anomalies. There's at least three. They're obviously not picked up in a pattern like flying aircraft would be. Mm-hmm. There's no crash, no logs, no record, no activity. Yeah. No idea. Yeah, and no one has a clue. It's just, just how does this happen? Um, yeah, they exhibited unusual flight characteristics. And Discovery Channel actually did a piece on it uh, on a show called Investigation X and History Channel's UFO Hunters programs highlighted incident on national TV. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I guess I would also venture to say it probably wasn't like an asteroid or something um, entering the atmosphere over uh, Kokomo because, again, they found no crash site, no crater, no debris, no nothing. Yeah. So you, you have this incident where something happened, no one has any record of anything, so they don't think it's an aircraft. I don't think it was an asteroid because no one found anything that would resemble that. There was no crater, no no debris, no rock, mm. no nothing. But, so what could it have been? Do you think it was a UFO? Do you think it was? I'd have to see it, you know? I mean, obviously, it's easy to say, well, it was a UFO. There's so many different things it could be. Right. I would just, like, because the only thing that they're sh- saying is that what people saw were, like, streaks of light. Yeah. Which, I mean, that could be a meteor shower. Right. And it looks like it's close to Earth, but it's not. I've seen, like, comets or meteors or whatever. Like, it's a streak of light. Yes. It's just like a, you know, a falling star. is That's what it is. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I 
because like the, the only thing that throws me off is, and I've heard that there have been some asteroids that have entered the atmosphere that have broke the sound barrier. Yeah. Because they've come in that hot. There was some footage of one hitting Russia just like last year or two mm-hmm. years ago. And uh, it was just, it looked like a freaking extinction event, the way it came down and yes. hit. And it was just so loud. Was it the one that hit the woods and it... Uh, it might have been. It, or hit like some forest in I Russia. I just saw the it, footage of this. It was a dash cam of a guy driving on a windy mountain road. And you just see the big light. You see it hit and you see light and fire come up out of the woods. Yeah. I think that might have been the same one. Then. Yeah. And it was so loud. It like shook his car yeah. when it hit. Yeah. I mean, and it could have been, but don't... Like I said, the only thing that to me that is no one found anything that resembled some kind of asteroid. Because if if it's making that much noise, yeah, then it didn't just like disintegrate like we see falling stars no. do. Where it's just this like tiny little streak. I mean, this thing was like rocking Kokomo. So I mean, it had to have. It it would have been big enough that someone would have found. You would yeah. think, unless they have like shrinking technology. Maybe. Maybe before they hit, they can go to the size of a pen. Or maybe the Air know? Force is covering it up, saying that it, they didn't They find could, anything. too. The Air Force covers a lot of stuff up. I actually listened to a podcast episode. I think it was Astonishing Legends here not too long ago. Uh, it was in West Virginia, and they had a, a crash. Mm-hmm. And the National Guard was on it within, like, a half hour. And they were cleaning up the site. They had the aircraft covered up. But there were people that were, like, sneaking into the woods because they, you know, saw, like, military coming through the town. It was a small town. And they came through the, they came into the woods, and they were, like, watching. And, and some people that were, had snuck into the woods said they even saw little bodies um, hanging, uh, like, like on the ground. And I think one was actually still on the craft. Wow. But, um, but yeah, they were, you know, covering it up, and then they took it and they put it on a flatbed truck still covered up tarped and you know strapped down out of town and the people that did happen to see it the military actually threatened them with imprisonment if they told anyone what they saw so it could be that we have a cover-up event that maybe there was a crash and the air force is like oh no there's nothing yeah i mean the air force obviously hides stuff Mm -hmm. every government you know, entity hide stuff. Well, if you notice, like, in a lot of UFO cases, when it seems like the Air Force is always involved, Mm -hmm. and they're the ones with, almost like they're tasked with the cleanup and and cover-up. It's like the men in black put pressure on them. Like, you need to take responsibility here. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Interesting. I don't know. Like, I I don't think it's a... Or maybe they are the men in black, the ones that show up, the Air Force... Officials that show up are actually the men in black. I never thought about that. That could be. So here's another recent one. We're getting more and more recent the further we go. I'm going to try to speed this up a little bit. Yep, we're going to go through them because we're at an hour. So So, there was Matthew Reed in Brownsburg, 2009. Apparently he was abducted on March 30th while driving home to Brownsburg after seeing a movie in Avon. Uh, He saw an orange ball in the sky. And about an hour and a half later, he found himself outside of his vehicle, which was parked on the side of the road. He later revealed that he had been taken aboard a spacecraft and examined by extraterrestrial creatures. And that he had his that he and his brother were abducted on three separate occasions as boys living in Massachusetts. The case has been featured in documentaries on the Science Channel and Destination America. So he actually had a lost time event. 
and an abduction, which a lot of people claim that's like the claim. number one symptom. Yes. Yeah. Because they'll sit there and they can remember being on this craft, for what seems like maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then they'll be back in their vehicle or on the side of the road and they'll look at their phone or their watch or their, you know, the clock on the their vehicle and hours have passed. And yeah. like, there's no way. There's no way. Um, so, but they don't really say what he did, like what he remembers them doing. Butt stuff. It's always butt stuff. Why are aliens so interested in butts? I don't know. I'm a little perturbed. I mean, not even so much being examined, but what's with the butt stuff? Right. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, these people coming from, you know, all these light years away just to check out my butt. The anus. We heard about the anus. Hey, man, we're going over to Earth. We're going to check out some more human butts. We are here to play with your anus. <laughs> we're going to check out more human butts. You want to go? <laughs> They're probably from, like, the Florida of their world They think or that, like, because some dudes are so into, like, the anus, <laughs> they think that, like, it's, like, the secret to life. It's, like, what we worship. So that's what the aliens, you know, uh, they a- see us, like, our fascination with it. Well, I'm going to quote Bob's Burgers here from a character on there called Mort. He's like, the anus is the window of the butt. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Next case. Next case. So a family secret is revealed in Logansport in 2011. Okay. So MUFON of Indiana recently logged case number 32747, but it contained the oldest report in its files. So apparently on the 20th of October, a man submitted an old video recording of his great-grandmother and her sisters recounting the details of an alleged UFO encounter their father, a farmer, had experienced in the Logansport area probably sometime in the 1890s. On the tape, one of the women described taking food to her father and grandfather in the field one day when they yelled at her to hide in the woods. They later told her they'd seen a a machine fly over the field and that little people had gotten out of the crowd, collected samples of corn and soil, and then they departed. The woman's father then made her promise never to talk about it. Pretty interesting. That one's a good one. I like that one a lot. Her dad's a men in black. <gasps> Don't ever talk about it. Don't ever talk about him. It's weird. That is interesting. Yeah. It is interesting because, like, like that's an, because, like, technically, you're looking at a report that is over, I mean, either, even though it's recent, the actual incident is over 100 years old. Like, I think that's pretty cool. And and here they are, like just collecting stuff. Like, like we go to the moon and yeah. get rocks and stuff. And like, right? Here's this yellow thing. Stick it in here, and uh, well, here's some more dirt. We're gonna check out the dirt. Well, it's got corn, so it's probably rich in nitrogen. I'll tell you that. I mean, it would make sense for them to collect samples. Obviously, right? It's what we do. It's what we do. So. Another one. Lucky Point, a Hoosier hotspot, Monroe City vicinity, and it is ongoing. So this happens apparently pretty often. Okay. So in southwest Indiana, near Vincennes, a patch of land near a rural stretch of White River known as Lucky Point has purportedly been the site of unexplained phenomena for several decades. In 1986, a Vincennes Sun commercial citing that then MUFON Indiana Assistant State Director Jerry Seavers Reported there have been nearly 100 UFO sightings there in the past 10 to 15 years. Dang. In one case, a farmer claimed to have seen an orange ball of light. There it is again. 
hovering over his cattle pen, and the next day found a calf whose brain had been removed from a precise egg-shaped incision. In another account, a sheriff's deputy had stopped his car in the area and seen a large black triangle 100 feet on on a side, with beings looking out of the craft's windows. One evening in 2006, investigator Kerry Teverball, who lives in the area, received 10 calls in the span of half an hour from witnesses who, according to his statement, claimed to have seen a domed disc, dark in color, with three large orange lights along the edge in a triangular configuration. There is something to this triangular vehicle. Yeah. Because a lot of alien sightings or UFO sightings are triangular, a lot of them. The one that was in Franklin, I want to say it was like back in 2012 or somewhere near that time frame. And I'm wanting to look at because I'm sure, because I've seen on Facebook where someone videoed it. I, it's got to be on YouTube. Yeah. got to be. Well, I mean, think about it, the shape of a triangle. It's aerodynamic. Yeah, but in know? space, that wouldn't matter. Well, Because space is a vacuum. So true. what you would need is propulsion. Maybe it's easy for them to maneuver it and Maybe. steer it, you Maybe. know, because you got the right, the front one is the steering. The back ones, the back two are the ex- propulsion. Right. Excuse me. I'm burping. Anytime I hear someone describe a triangular craft, though, I think of like an Imperial Star Cruiser. Yeah. Or I guess Star Destroyer. Yeah. That's what I think of. Almost I think of like uh, X-Wings or something. Yeah. You know, TIE Fighters. That'd be cool. I mean, it's a good design. I mean, it kind of suck because if you actually saw it, you're like, oh, we are so screwed. Yeah, right. But, uh, but yeah, I, there's got to be something to the whole triangular craft. Like, because there's a lot of reports. Like, I mean, almost a, if they're not triangular, they're almost, they talk about saucer shape. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, where, where'd they say this was at? Near Vincent somewhere. Yeah. No, lucky, uh, point. lucky point. Lucky point. Yeah, I would, I would love, I would like to check that out honestly, just see what we could see if anything happens. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, just kind. All right, aliens, we're here. No butt stuff, please. Yeah, no butt stuff. <laughs> no homo, please. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um. So that is all the stories that I have. So here's my theory. Or not my theory. It's a theory that I heard a long time ago, and I kind of believe there might be something to do with it. Or at least, like, there might be a... T- okay, so we've obviously got stories of UFOs. We've heard at least two yes, that are over 100 stories. years old, right? Yep. But... That's all they are, though, is stories right. at I this mean, point. Because there's no... I mean, there's 18, no definitive proof of it. Yeah, I mean, 1896, how are you going to back that up? Right. So, but you have like, as time goes on, you have this uptick in sightings. You have video recordings mm-hmm. of, of things happening. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it. And it all starts after we've done like a ton of atomic testing, right? There's a theory that's been proposed by physicists and others who believe that maybe that that the uptick in UFO sightings and inter- and actually close encounters has something to do with all the atomic testing. That with everything that we we've done with atomic testing is actually called like caused like a almost like a small uh, fissure 
in the space-time continuum. Yeah. But it's actually caused this rip. Um, I've heard that Within that the two parallels. That's what Twin Peaks, the new season of Twin Peaks is about. Okay. Like, that's what set it off. Yeah. So, so it's not an unheard of theory, and I think it might have something to do with it. Or it's so powerful that it draws spectators. Could. Like aliens to be like, what are they doing over there? Yeah. I heard that. Let's go. I mean, and it, and it could be. I, I would be. It's just like when you have these people that have these incidents where, and totally non-UFO related, where, and we talked, we actually had an episode where we talked about this, where people will be walking down the street, and all of a sudden they're in a different time mm-hmm. for a brief moment, maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, poof, they're back in their own time. And there have been people that have speculated that it might there these there's these rips, and you just might be unlucky enough to walk through it. Yeah, and then Portals. walk back out. And it's just an odd thing that that maybe that if the that the theory of parallel universes is true, that we all inhabit the same space, just in a different plane that maybe all that atomic testing opened that up. So now we're getting visitors and visiting past times, Mm -hmm. but there's a theory that the aliens aren't aliens at all. There's a theory that spectate that, or that posits rather is that these aliens are actually an evolved form of us. That makes sense too. They're humanoid because they are humans, just more evolved. Right. Um, and so we're being we're visiting ourselves. It's like Interstellar. He comes back and sees his daughter. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like time traveling. And but they're doing it through these fissures in time because of the atomic testing. So you know, one hand washes the other, so maybe. Could be. I think it's an interesting theory. I mean, there's no way to prove it. Right. I mean, other than maybe in, in two thousand years where you know, people happen to be going through somehow old media and they happen to, oh, yeah, look, he's right. Yeah. I mean, he's dead now, but, hey, good job, buddy. <laughs> he was right. I'm validated. <laughs> yep. Look, look, we're, we got three fingers and three toes and weird heads, and um, he was right. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Like, I think it's an interesting theory because, I mean, even, and we've talked about this before, even if you're not a believer in the topic and you're a skeptic to, to just kind of let that thought roll around in your mind and suspend that disbelief for just a little while and Mm. go, what if it is true? Like, what if there is a kernel of truth to that? Yeah. To where you can say, what if that's what all these UFOs are? They're not really aliens at all. They're us or these time slips, you know, going back to, you know, 1892 and, walking around your town just in a different time. Yeah. Like, what if that that's true? And these little gray people are not just far-off invaders, that they're actually just us. I'm your ghost, Murph. <laughs> I'm your ghost. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I, like I said, even if it's not true, mm-hmm. it's still fun to think that, what if that's all they are? Could be. I still don't understand the butt stuff, though. I don't understand the butt stuff. Humans like, like it. That's I, all like, I know. Well, 
you know what? This uh, 3,000-year-old version of us, they still got buttholes. They still got buttholes. Us evolved ones, we don't need them. Yeah. We're a higher level of existence. and We, we just poop out of our mouths. That. Ugh. I would rather die. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Especially after you eat Mexican food. Uh, yeah, just I would rather die. So I don't know. I mean, I, I that's that's. I still entertain the fact that they're otherworldly. I don't. Yeah. Uh, more than than just a, a far off. I believe that aliens exist. Mm-hmm. I believe they've been here, yeah. and they'll come back. It's that simple. I I find it hard to believe, and and, it, and I, because. I've heard these people that go, if the alien, if there are aliens and there are UFOs and they're visiting, then it shakes religion to the core. I don't think that don't. I don't think that's mutually exclusive. Yeah, just because God didn't tell you about it, like it's maybe He doesn't want doesn't want you to know. Maybe it just doesn't apply to you. You know, right? And that's kind of what I my thought was is like maybe because that wasn't part of His. I mean, not to say that it's not, but his you know His design was like, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Because what what do you care? You know, so does it concern you? Yeah. Only this story does, so this is what the story that you're gonna get. But then you know these people evolve and they hyper evolve or whatever and they're so far advanced. But it goes back to this man, his I thought of him and now it's gone. He was a physicist. He actually worked on the Manhattan Project and he came up with this theory because they were all talking about um, if we're visited by aliens. And he goes and posits the idea of, you know, if you are capable of intergalactic travel mm-hmm. and you can go in any direction, why would you visit Earth? What makes Earth so special? Because yeah. in, a, in a modernistic kind of way, it still puts Earth in the center of the universe. They're more likely traveling by and they just happen to pass earth on their way yeah we're just the truck stopping the galaxy yeah or just happen to be there and it's like oh look at that pretty blue planet let's swerve down there real quick oh look these guys like buttholes okay <laughs> keep going and then we're down here seeing the other side of the spectrum like oh my god it's the second combat of christ this is massive for us but to them it's just like hey we pass it's like passing a road sign yeah right they're stopping out getting pictures you yeah know. It's like, oh, look, a cool diner. Okay, let's stop here real quick. Yeah. I, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't think that if the government was to completely have disclosure and they say, yep, here's all the information, here's all that we know on yeah. UFOs and aliens, I don't think it would change religion at all. Nah. I mean, maybe if you're just this. If you're afraid that that would change your religion, then you're not very strong in your religion anyway. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't, I, and that's the part I've never understood. You got these guys go, yeah, if, there, if this was ever disclosed, it would shake Christianity. It's, no, it wouldn't. Because it, it just because God didn't mention it didn't mean it didn't, wasn't happening. Right. I mean, there's a lot that the Bible got right that science didn't catch on to for a long time, like the fact that earth was round. Yeah. That's mentioned in the Old Testament long before, you know, middle, medieval uh, scientists are like, yep, I would think it's round. Yeah. The Bible got it right a long time before them. Right. But just because God didn't mention it didn't mean it didn't happen. So I, I, I don't believe in that. But I guess maybe to each their own. But to me, I, I find it 
just interesting to to like I said, let it roll around and rattle around. Yeah. I definitely think that my overall belief, I guess, to reemphasize is that I do think that they're extraterrestrial. I don't necessarily believe I'm not saying that I don't believe, I'm just saying that the theory of extraterrestrial outweighs the theory of this interdimensional future us. Yeah. Is my take on it, I guess. I don't know, man. So no idea. That is all I have as far as list. Go, uh, this list goes. I thought it was a pretty decent one. Uh, you can go to the Indiana MUFON page. They have all kinds of files that you can actually read and check out. You know, stuff that's a lot more recent than what I read off. I mean, you're looking at stuff that happened in uh, 2018, 2019, although those files are pretty uh, small as far as that yeah. year, those years, because they're not... Uh, I guess Indiana is not a hotbed for UFO activity, say like Ohio is or West Virginia or Arizona. Or yeah. Arizona. So, um, but still a great website to browse. I've been on there a few times. Love reading the uh, entries that they have and the information that they have. So if you're ex- extra excited about extraterrestrials, I think that's a really good website to go, especially if you're interested in more local flavors. Yeah. Um, I guess to reemphasize on the video that I did yesterday, our Teespring store is up. So if you're interested in buying a face covering or a set of leggings or a tote bag or a sweatshirt or a hoodie. Yeah. Get on there. Go Teespring. The designs are pretty basic right now, but we look on it. We're expanding them eventually. So So as long as you guys are interested and even not, I might buy me my own hoodie and my own mask. Might as well. Maybe my own pair of leggings. Why not? I'm going to yeah. come strut into the studio Might wearing well. leggings. Buy a sticker. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. got stickers. Yeah. Put <laughs> put that put that dude on your laptop. You know, share everybody yeah. what you're about. Let's do it. But uh, may I go to Teespring? Um, also, we emphasize this all the time, uh, is that if you guys are clicking the links on Facebook, we definitely appreciate that. But please, if you can and you most likely are listening to podcasts, a lot of people are these days, go to Spotify, go to Apple, go to Google, go to Anchor, and hit that subscribe button, and that way you can get notified as soon as the episode drops at 3 p.m. every Friday, and you won't have to just wait on us to post a link. You will have that notification. Hit your phone or your device, and you can listen right away. And that way we can measure the metrics like we keep talking about. We kind of have an idea of uh, the downloads and listens that we get, but it's a lot easier if you guys subscribe. So please do that if you can. Also, as always, share with people who are like-minded, who love this type of stuff. Yeah. And just, you know, keep supporting us the best that you guys can. Also, I kind of hinted on it a little bit, but if you're like a manager or a business owner, and you want a little local sponsorship uh, or like do local sponsorship and you want to give us a little little buzz and you want us to give you a little buzz. Or you can even come in the studio and record a plug yeah. using our, our equipment. Yeah. We'll, we'll let play you it at the beginning of our episode. Yeah, we'll let you do your own commercial or we'll do it for you. Um, and we'll help you out and we'll get your word out there with our listeners and uh, that are local. But just a little something to kind of give back to the community a little bit that's you know been listening to us for the last year or so but with that that's all i have for 
Tanaya? Noah, you got anything, buddy? Not for me. Nope, nothing here. All right, cool. So you guys uh, be good out there. Be careful. Be safe and have a good weekend. Yep. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.